You're listening to SA Talk, San Antonio's favorite podcast for discussions happening around and about the Alamo City. I'm Zach, your favorite retirement advisor, host of SA Talk, and founder of the San Antonio Podcast Network. Today is Monday, June 6. I hope everyone is doing well out there. Um, I also hope everyone's enjoying the content these last few weeks. I know it's a bit of a change since it was Erica and I hosting SA Talk and, of course, searching for San Antonio. I know I'm not doing many current events or local happenings, things going on on social media. Um, a lot of the content that we are providing back when Erica was on the show, um, I'm going to be honest with you guys. It's just kind of tough doing it myself, um, giving a solo perspective, really. I've always felt since starting this podcast way back in early 2020 that providing two different perspectives, not just two perspectives, but two different perspectives was a very important aspect that I wanted to have on this podcast. And it's something that is lacking. And so I don't want to go into detail about current events and things of that sort without having that perspective. And um, in that same breath, this is the first episode since the tragic events, of course, in Uvalde, Texas, happening a couple weeks ago, Tuesday, May 24th. Um, I don't want to get too much into that at the beginning, just because I have a few things to say about that. I'll leave that for the end because I don't want to take away too much from today's amazing guest that I have on SA Talk. Um, so, of course, so of course, stick around for that uh, later on in the podcast. Another reminder, last reminder, really, if you're listening to this on release day or even Tuesday after release day, as a reminder, we're having the fundraising event. I say we, NLC San Antonio, my cohort, is having our annual fundraising event June 8th, this Wednesday, 6 to 8 p.m., really 6 to close at Alamo Beer Company. They're going to have large Jenga, Connect Four, all the things I mentioned in the past, uh, cornhole, drinks, food, possibly some free drinks and food. We don't know yet. It's going to be a great networking opportunity. So so if you work in the corporate world, nonprofit world, whatever industry you work in, it's going to be a great networking opportunity. It's going to be a lot of leaders and alumni from NLC from different sectors around San Antonio. Great opportunity for you to meet all the people from those great sectors um, and industries here in the Alamo City. Get to learn more about what NLC is about, what the organization is doing, and you know, at the <laughs> very surface level of it, enjoy a night out at an awesome establishment, of course, Alamo Beer Company downtown. But getting to the, today's guest on Essay Talk, I have an amazing guest, Victoria Cabrera, owner of the Medicare space, in my opinion, the best Medicare agency in San Antonio, and one of the best insurance agencies around. Joining me on SA Talk, talk a little bit about how she got started in the insurance industry, but also starting the Medicare space, and how it's different from your everyday insurance agency. So with that said, I wanted to get right into that interview. So here we go. All right. Well, Victoria, thank you for joining me finally on SA Talk. I feel like we've been talking about this for, yeah. for a while now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I'm glad to have you on. Yeah, thank you so much. It's um, I feel famous right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm speaking to the SA Pod Network with Zach. This is pretty cool. I love it. I love it. Thanks for having me on. Of course, of course. Well, you know, kind of let the listeners know a little bit about yourself, about mm -hmm. the Medicare space, you know, how you got into this industry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I have, uh, well, when I was 16, I've been actually working full time, originally from Corpus Christi, Texas, moved to San Antonio when I was 19, uh, was working in a call center environment. You know, I just wanted to get that money, um, <laughs> was going to school up here for a little bit. I realized the school was not for me. So not saying to drop out of school, but <laughs> it just, it wasn't for me. So, um, you know, you're always chasing that higher pay. And one time I saw this ad for a, an insurance company, still a big insurance company still around. 
end up getting the job. They got me licensed in, in health and life insurance. And that's kind of where my insurance career started when I was about 20, 21. So back in 05, I think. And was it was it just Medicare at the time or was it like life insurance as well? So I was strictly selling health insurance to people that were under 65. Okay. Um, so anybody that was from age 18 all the way up, um, you know, kind of always trying to find plans for people. Health insurance has always been a thing. So just always trying to find the right plans for people that needed health insurance. Back then, it was a lot different. The yeah. laws were a little different. You had to undergo underwriting. And so it kind of just led me through my career. Um, got a job with another company, more of a broker style agency, was selling home and auto insurance um, for about eight years. And then I quickly realized when one of my managers said that I couldn't drive down to Corpus uh, to see my sister have a, a her baby, I was like, heck no, no man. man. And I was like, is this the way it's going to be the rest of my life? Somebody's saying that I can't uh, get a takeoff of work for family emergencies or just, um, you know, things like that when my, my sisters had babies. And I had the opportunity to jump and go independent. And I did. Uh, and that's kind of where the Medicare space started in 2015. I went independent selling health insurance um, in San Antonio. And um, when COVID happened, you know, I kind of had the opportunity to really start a company and start branding. So it's funny because the I was just talking to the girls today in the office. I was like, did you guys know that I've been selling health insurance for a long time, but the Medicare space was created in 2020 during COVID. I got the oh, wow. trademark for, for the Medicare space in April of 2020. And we've gotten this far today. I mean, it's crazy. Well, I think about the SEO on that a lot, uh -huh. you know, just like the Medicare space. Uh -huh, uh -huh. You know, I'm like, man, what a perfect name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we obviously we specialize in helping people with Medicare and I, I want it because I have big dreams. So I had I was like, what's a name <laughs> that if one day I grow like exponentially, that would still hold its hold its brand and the right. Medicare space what more right the, and other than the Medicare universe but <laughs> the <laughs> Medicare space so um yeah we're still growing it um we help people locally as well as nationwide and that's kind of how I ended up here yeah that's perfect yeah I was thinking you know when I was creating the podcast I was mm -hmm. trying to think of a name um I couldn't even you know tell you the names I came up with the multiple names it was me and a, and a previous co-host at the mm -hmm. time and mm -hmm. we had literally got together wrote down a bunch of names and kind of figured out like, okay, San Antonio Spotlight, San Antonio Showcase, mm -hmm. San Antonio Podcast. Yeah. Like we're thinking of all these names. We kind of settled on, okay, San Antonio Talk. Yeah. That quickly became Essay Talk. And then eventually the San Antonio Podcast Network. Um, but I thought about the SEO on that. Uh -huh. You know, it's like, okay, what, like you said, what's going to stick around for years to come? Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And so now it, it's funny because on Twitter, this happens a lot on Twitter. Uh -huh. I get tagged when new podcasts come out here in San Antonio. Oh, wow. Like they literally put like CC or they'll like just tag me in the photo. Oh, that's awesome. Because they, they feel like, oh, it's the San Antonio podcast network. Like they're the, what, I don't know what you call it. The, the word, they're like the holder of all podcasts. Yeah. I'm like, no, 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 no. But, but, hey. but right. I mean, that goes <laughs> to show you is like, that's what the name holds. Yeah. Um, but I really like that. I have to ask, you know, moving from Corpus to, to I've lived in San Antonio uh -huh. my whole life, mm -hmm. moving from Corpus to San Antonio, what was that like? Because when I picture Corpus, I've been going to Corpus since I was a kid. Mm -hmm. uh, I picture Corpus as like this middle between being a small, it's not a small town, it's a city. Yeah. But it's also not 
the seventh mm-hmm. largest city in the country, right? Mm-hmm. So like, what was that like moving to San Antonio? Well, like you a know, big shot? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was 18 when I moved, um, had a hundred dollars in my pocket, <laughs> packed all of my belongings with my guitar. As long as I had my guitar at the time, I was good. You play guitar? Uh, yes, I do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, actually, we were, I had a duo band for 10 years ago. We used to gig around San Antonio. We were <laughs> wow. called Vic and Ash. Yeah. Um, but so when I, when I chose to move of, you know, my, my childhood was a little, you know, kind of up and down and I was just kind of that black sheep. All my family's in Corpus. I don't have any family here in San Antonio. I just kind of needed that outlet. And when I moved to San Antonio, um, literally was a hundred dollars in my pocket. A friend of mine from high school said, come on, move to San Antonio. We can be roommates. And I think we're roommates for like 10 years. <laughs> She's still my best friend till this day. Um, but it was scary. But what I've learned in life is that you just got to do things sometimes and not overthink it. Um, because if I would have put a lot of thought is where am I going to live? Where am I going to work? What am I going to do? Oh my goodness. I would have probably still been in Corpus. Um, Corpus is, is a really nice town. I call it a town because it's super small, (laughs) even though it is a city. Um, and I've always, like I said, I've always had big dreams. I always kind of knew I was meant for something bigger. Could I do it there? I don't think so because, um, I feel like there's a lot of growth opportunities in bigger cities, um, I'm sure there's a lot of successful people in Corpus. It's just, I wanted to be where I can really flourish and San Antonio just kind of became my home. I've been here since I was 18. Man, you had that entrepreneurial mindset early on. Yeah. I I've always had that. Un- I don't know where it came from because my parents weren't really entrepreneurs. My dad kind of was, he was always doing odd jobs and stuff like that. But, um, what I think was I didn't like, I was always like, we were very, we grew up in a very strict household. Mm-hmm. And so I think I got over it to where I don't want to be told what to do anymore. <laughs> no, I definitely, I, I definitely, that your story resonated with me because that was kind of a feeling I had when I was working at Frost. I mean, mm-hmm. That's considered the corporate world, right? Yep. And I was working in banking and I love, I loved Frost. Mm-hmm. I still love Frost. Obviously my girlfriend still works at Frost. Mm-hmm. I still have friends, colleagues. Um, I love the company, but I had those same experiences where mm-hmm. I was like, man, I can't get this day off or I have to ask to, if I need to run to the store for something, I need Mm -hmm. to run an errand, Mm -hmm. you know, I want to spend some time with my family, whatever. It's just like, I would make me think like in the back of my head, I was thinking, what is this? How, how it's always going to be for the next 30, 40 years of my career. Mm -hmm. I don't Mm -hmm. want it to be like this. Like I want to, and it's not just like, oh, you know, I want to do nothing. I want to be at home. Like, no, I just want to be able to set my own hours Mm -hmm. because I, and even in this, and I'm sure, I don't know if you still do it. I think you do, but in this industry, especially when you're independent, like you set your own hours. Mm-hmm. I mean, I find myself, I'm working at night. <laughs> you know, yeah. We'll be watching TV and I'll just be on my computer and mm-hmm. I'm putting together, uh, you know, a flyer or I'm responding to emails mm-hmm. late at night or early in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I think nowadays that's what the world is. There's a lot of remote jobs. There's a lot of careers where you can do that mm-hmm. um, because, you know, not everyone's sleep schedule is set up for a nine to five. Yeah. You yeah. know, but I think you realized that early on and this was years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you, when you go independent, everybody wants the dream, right? I'm going to be my own boss. I'm not going to let anybody tell me what to do, but it's funny because you have to be your own boss. Like you have to wake yourself up in the morning. You have to make sure that yeah, you bring in the money. Hold yourself accountable. <laughs> yeah. And that, and that's actually the hardest thing when somebody's not saying, Hey, you're late. Even though it's more annoying when somebody's saying, hey, you got to get to work and be on time. You can't be 15 minutes late or whatever. Um, you have to be that person for yourself. 
Yeah. Like there's mornings where I'm just like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to <laughs> get up, but I have to. Absolutely. I, I don't make it a choice. I have to get to the office. And sometimes I'll take breaks. These last two, couple of days, I took some time off. I needed it. But you have to make yourself get up and go to work. So for those of you that want to be hustlers <laughs> and independent, you're going to have to. That's exactly what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to hustle. Absolutely. It's not a nine to five. It's a 20. It, somebody was saying something. It's not a nine. I left a nine to five to do a 24 seven. I think my friend Eugene Marchenko said that um, it's so true. I don't get to sleep. Even when I get to bed, I don't get to sleep till like one in the morning because I'm yeah. there watch, looking at emails and stuff like that. But um, and it's, it's, it's a big change. Mm -hmm. I, I know not only obviously I went through it personally. Right. Mm -hmm. But even for for Amanda at home, I think early on, she kind of would ask me or think to herself, like, dude, we're watching TV. Like, what are you doing working? And I'm like, yeah. This is the way it is. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not just you go in and you show up at 830 and then you leave at 515. Like, no, no yeah. I mean, I'm always responding to something or it's like, shoot, I forgot to, you know, run this illustration for client. Mm -hmm. Let me do that. Let me get ready for tomorrow morning's meetings. Yep. You know, it's not like, oh, you know, close the laptop. We're done for the day. Yeah. Yep. Um, and, you know, personally, what was a struggle for me was I began my career as an independent agent, like pretty much towards the beginning of COVID. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's what kind of caused me to struggle early on was like you were, you know, you were kind of talking about as far as like, okay, holding yourself accountable, mm -hmm. making sure you're getting the work done, mm -hmm. not being like, oh, okay, you know, I'm going to take a break and do what, <laughs> well, it's kind of hard to do that when everything was closing down and we had no idea what was going on yeah. during COVID. Like yeah. I found myself early on being an independent agent thinking like, well, what, what do I do? Yeah. Schools are closed. A lot of stores are closed. Mm -hmm. They told us we couldn't go out. Like, mm -hmm. I'm like, well, what do I do then? Yep. Um, and I think it was almost a blessing in disguise because it caused me to learn how to be a better, better digital marketer, mm -hmm. come up with like thinking of a brand, thinking of things like that. Yeah. Um, but you know, kind of fast forwarding, you've told your story, how you got to the Medicare space. Mm -hmm. Um, how do you set yourself apart? Because I, I think you do. And that's what led us to make a connection. I think mm -hmm. is that when I first saw you, it wasn't just some other Medicare agency. It wasn't just any insurance agency here in San Antonio. Mm -hmm. You had a podcast, you had a live show, right? Mm -hmm. it, it's you're setting yourself apart yep. here in town and just in general in the industry. Mm -hmm. What made you want to do that? Well, um, it goes back to, so when you're a business owner and you want to grow, you're going to have to align yourself with people that have the same vision as you. Right. And you have to, to, in order to attract those people, you have to be very strict on the culture that you create and the company you're building and what you want that to look like. For me, I'm always adapting. I'm so used to change. Like if I don't have change in my life, it's really weird. Like when things are stable, it's like, oh, something, okay, something's going to happen. I got to figure something out. But I'm always trying to stay ahead of the industry. I'm always trying to align with people that know more than me. I'm always trying to learn. Um, I've been in the business for 20 years and I'll learn from people that have only been in the business for two. I don't have an ego when it comes to that. Um, but what sets us apart is that I'm willing to adapt to where the world's going. Um, insurance if you talk to most people, they think it's really boring, right? <laughs> um, if you go to a high school or a college, nobody's bragging that they want to be an insurance agent. Most people are like, I want to be a lawyer, a doctor, a real estate agent. I want to own my own business. But nobody says, I want to be an insurance agent. Why? Because in the past, it's always kind of boring. They think paperwork. They think old men, like in the insurance industry. Um, for us, I wanted to build a, a company that I've always wanted to work for. And that's allowed me to kind of 
create and, and be creative and align myself with people in my office or around me that are more creative than me. So that way we can build something together that it's always evolving. Um, I'm big on, on evolving as a company. I'm okay with making change in the last year. We've made a ton of changes and my people probably get annoyed because we're constantly <laughs> making changes to technology, learning, marketing, um, digital marketing, whatever that might be to help us stay current. And also thinking about, you know, when you're a business and whether you're in insurance or not, think about your buyer and that experience, because your buyer is always going to be different as the years go by. Cause let's say we focus on turning 65. Well, the people that are turning 65 now are more technology savvy. Maybe like they like to do things through zoom over the phone. Maybe they don't want you to come to their house. Um, so you have to always be evolving. Um, I hope that answered the question. Yeah, absolutely. And I can definitely attest to, you know, maybe some school students thinking insurance is boring. Uh-huh. Um, funny story and a side story here. I was actually invited to do my first career day earlier this year. Mm -hmm. And I remember pulling up to this elementary school and there's literally like a helicopter overhead. <laughs> there's a fire truck in, yeah. the, in the front yeah. parking lot. Yeah. And I'm pulling up in like a, just, you know, with my little briefcase. briefcase. And I'm like, <laughs> What? I'm the boring, you know, insurance guy. I'm the boring financial guy. These guys are pulling up and all the kids are excited to yeah. see the fire truck. They yeah. look at the news, they're waving. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, but, you put me after all these guys? <laughs> exactly. I was all, man. <laughs> Nap <laughs> but, time right after. <laughs> but you're absolutely right. And you kind of alluded to how the insurance industry, um, not everyone, obviously, mm -hmm. like yourself, but sometimes the industry is slow to adapt, yep. um, whether it's the agencies, whether it's the companies themselves, mm -hmm. whether it's just like the products and yep. the strategies um, in the insurance industry. And I think that's really important. You know, something that you talk about a lot to to myself and to the other agents, you know, that you work with mm -hmm. and, and even your employees, you know, the girls is how important it is to be aware mm -hmm. of what's going on in this industry, mm -hmm. not just the changes, but the regulations, right? Yep. Things like that, but yep. always being aware. And I think, you know, having seen other agencies and seen how they work, like not everyone's doing that. Yeah. You know, and yeah. it's kind of, it's kind of sad to see that. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I guess I'd just like to see more agencies and more insurance companies do that. Um, but I really like, and I, I think I've told you before on mm -hmm. personally, when we've had a conversation, it's just, how much I appreciate the culture that you've kind of mm -hmm. created here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, that was something else that kind of attracted me, you know, wanting to work and partner up with the Medicare space is, is because of that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. coming in and you putting a big emphasis uh, on training, mm -hmm. on the education part, on mm -hmm. doing the right thing, yeah. on surrounding yourself with people who aren't, uh, what was it? Aren't an anchor, right? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Aren't an anchor. It's like, that's so important. Like, mm -hmm. sure. You can think of it as, oh, it's just words. Oh, it's just like an analogy, but mm -hmm. like, it's true. It's yep. so true. You have people that bring you down mm -hmm. sometimes. Um, but I really like the culture that you, that you've built here at the Medicare space. Yeah. We're really big on, and, and as a business owner, if you're listening um, or I'm sure you have a lot of people that are going to be listening to this that are business owners or independent is it's really hard to make a decision by really sticking to your um, like not wavering on the deal breakers. So when I'm looking at people to join our team, I'm not trying to bring in the masses. I'm trying, I'm looking for a select people that align with our team because one bad seed or one cancer in the business or anchor can bring us all down. Um, how would you like to associate with like you're working your butt off and then here comes Joe Blue, you know, whatever, and gets away with doing whatever and doesn't look the part or just doesn't fit the the he's always negative. 
oh god this or that and you're like man i, I don't want to work for this company <laughs> and it's just one bad seat and my my thing is i don't care if you're producing at a high level numbers don't matter to me and my people know that like i've made sacrifices numbers do not matter to me people matter to me so i'm willing to sacrifice certain things to make sure that we protect the culture of the of the business and i think if more businesses did that they would see exponential growth because their people want to come work. They want to be a part of something bigger versus ah, negative Nancy over here again, always <laughs> bringing down the group. And then maybe they want to go somewhere else because they don't align with that. Um, so for me, the culture accountability is so big. Um, and I think a lot of businesses lose sight of that accountability, especially business owners. If you're not keeping up with laws and regulations and taking time to read outside of business hours, to make sure that your industry is protected, then you're really not a business owner because that means you don't care about the wealth of, of the future of your company. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just really big on aligning with the right people. And that's why you don't see us recruiting, recruiting, recruiting. Um, and in the insurance industry, it's all about just get the bodies in the seats. And I'm like, no, yeah. you build well, people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and it, it's funny you say that because I have, and I'm not going to call them out, but I have a close friend of mine who has a family member mm -hmm. who right now, uh, just based off looking at their stories the last couple of days, I can tell they're training mm -hmm. at an agency that focuses on recruiting mm -hmm. more than they focus yeah. on doing the right thing or mm -hmm. having the right people or learning the industry. And it's mm -hmm. like, man, it's sad. It's like, I almost want to reach out to that person and be like, Ooh, yeah. you know, because it's not necessarily, it, it's funny because my friend reached out to me and he, he asked me, Zach, you know, is this a scam? And I said, the insurance itself is not the scam. Mm -hmm. I said, yeah, it, it, it's, it has its place yeah. in, in the financial services industry, um, depending on how you sell it. Right. Mm -hmm. But the scam is that these people are not teaching you the industry, not teaching you the product, not educating you, mm -hmm. not, not teaching you how to educate others, but instead, okay, well go find some more of your friends to, you know, bring on. And then you can have this person under you. And it's like, yeah. what the heck are you doing? Yeah. And, and I've learned way more about that being in this industry and kind of seeing everything from afar, mm -hmm. how some agencies do that. And I'm like, yeah. what the heck is going on? And yeah. it's like, no, I, I mean, that's not a business owner. No, that's a recruiter. You know, that's yeah. a, pyramid. <laughs> yes. And, um, I will say, and I, this is probably a bad analogy cause I bad at analogies, but I always say, if you're going to bring somebody on to do what you're doing, you better have experience in doing that very thing. It's like me and you, I say, Zach, let's go build a house. Let's go flip a house together and let's recruit all these people to come flip, flip the house with us. And you're going to say, great. Have you done it before? I'm like, no, but we'll figure it out. <laughs> I'm very well sure we can figure it out along the way. But in insurance, you cannot just figure it out along the way. Yeah. If you don't have the right guide, you can really mess up. I was going to say another word, mess up somebody's situation yeah, by not absolutely. putting them in the right product. And that's why there's a lot of rules and regulations in insurance. We have a lot of training certifications. But just because you pass a licensing test does that not does not make you an expert to go recruit, 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 recruit. Right. Get some time under your belt. Get some experience under your belt before you do that. Um, and if you're listening, I'm not trying to rain on anybody's parade because guess what? We all have a common goal. We all want the freedom to do whatever we want financially. Most of us to provide for our families, to make sure that we're taken care of, to take care of our health, whatever it might be. So I don't want to take that away from them. But also you have to 
if you got to ask, like when in doubt, opt out. My other friend, Rebecca says, when in doubt, when in doubt, change your route. So if, if your friend has to ask you, hey, is this a scam? Then it's probably not worth putting more investment into it. Right. right. Um, so, yeah, I just I'm not a big believer in recruit, recruit, recruit. Um, there are agencies out there that believe in that. I don't, that's just not my, how we do business. And, and actually I've let go of agents that don't, that we're producing quite a bit that don't fit our model. And I will continue to do that to protect the culture of our agency. Even if it's five of us, even if I go from 30 to five people, I'm willing to do that to protect the agency. And that, that's just what I'm about. And going back to the technology side of things, you know, in this industry, um, some things I've noticed, and Mm -hmm. this is not necessarily so much with the Medicare insurance companies. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure there, there are some that fit this bill, um, but also some of the life insurance companies and annuity companies that I work with. Mm-hmm. It's like I, you know, log into agent portals or I'm helping, you know, a client of mine log into their client portal. And I'm like, what is this? Like, mm-hmm. this is so, you know, like early 2000s, yep. you know, mid 2010s. Yep. I'm like, what? This is not keeping up with the time. Now you have some companies who are, I mean, they're, they're keeping up yeah. with technology. Yep. Everything's very, uh, client friendly. What is it? Um, like the user face, friendly, user friendly uh-huh. right? The, the interface mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, is very easy to use. Mm-hmm. Um, but what are some other, I guess, technology or lack thereof there in the industry? What have you kind of noticed with some of these insurance companies or agencies too, like mm. not using technology? You know, I think people get stuck in their ways and maybe the fear of the unknown or maybe the laziness, I don't know, <laughs> is that I don't want to, um, take on this new thing. Cause it's going to take time for me getting more business, but sometimes you have to sacrifice that for just a little bit to implement the things that are going to help you grow. And not just that, that are going to help the client experience. So it always goes back to client experience. And if you don't have systems and processes in the technology to keep up with that, how do you expect the client experience to get better? Right? So in insurance, now they're getting, people are getting better. Agencies are getting better insurance companies are getting better with technology. I feel like they were forced to. They're forced to. (laughs) Yeah, forced to. Sped things up. You will be surprised. You will be very surprised. And there's some of you listening out there that don't even use a CRM, that don't know how what automation is, that don't know what workflows are, but they don't know what ringless voicemails are. They don't know what automated texts are. They They don't know how to create a workflow that makes the client experience better. You think I want to stay up all night learning that stuff? No. But I have to, to make sure that the client experience, and not only that, our agent experience is better. When laws go, go through and things change, I don't want to, my agents calling me and saying, hey, what do we do? And then I don't have a solution. So we're constantly always having to stay um, in, front of the, in front of the game. And you have to invest in your company. And sometimes you're going to have losses to, to get ahead. But not just investing money, but invest time, investing too. Like time, you said, learning, mm-hmm. learning those processes. Yep. Because and, and you've said this multiple times, too, mm-hmm. like nothing's going to replace that phone call. No. Nothing's going to replace understanding what you're selling, understanding products. Nothing's going to replace knowing how to talk to people. Mm-hmm. Like it's it, it's not that people like yourself or I, I like to think that I try to think mm-hmm. <laughs> in that direction mm-hmm. um, and open the new technologies. But it's not like we're trying to replace those things. Mm -hmm. We just want to see, okay, what other tools are out there to help me? Yep. You know, in addition to Mm -hmm. those things will always be important. Mm -hmm. Right. And the way I see it is that's kind of like the core, right? Yep. But it's like, what other tools, processes, automations, technology, what can I have surrounding me? What Mm -hmm. tools can I use to help me be a better agent or be a better, you know, insurance agency? So 
mm-hmm. what I think about. Well, I, I had this the other day we went running. I mean, yes, I do sometimes work out sometimes <laughs> when my wife makes me. Um, and we were, we went for a walk. We took the dog and I really wanted a coffee. I really wanted a coffee. And I forgot my, we showed up to the coffee place. I forgot my coffee. And I was like, crap. Well, Carmenza says, can go see if they take cash app. Right. Cause I had a phone and it was charged. I was like, no, they don't actually they did. And I was able to get my coffee because they took cash app. Now that business decided to invest and maybe take, you know, pay a small fee to be able to take that, right? Because it's not everything's free. You can't just have technology and it's free. But because that business did, guess what? I'm going back there <laughs> and I'm going back there again. I'm, I'm going back because they have that little, just that little system where you can use Cash App just in case you forget your wallet. Yep. That's technology. That's moving with the times, right? There's still some companies that don't take credit cards. I mean, surprising. surprisingly, right? Um so when it comes to other things where maybe you don't accept exchange money for services, it would become in the client experience, technology, CRMs, um, the way you market, the way you market, it, you have to evolve. Right. Um, so, again, my my thing is in any company, there's always opportunity to evolve, to grow, to implement things that you're not doing today. But you are going to have to invest time. And sometimes most of the time you are going to have to do the monetary investment. Um, and most people are just not willing to sacrifice the money right now. Um, I understand if you can't, that's one mm-hmm. thing, but the, the people that can, and they're not, it only takes a little bit to get left behind. Yep. When you're running a race, right. You've seen those, those cool YouTube videos where the person's running and they <laughs> trip over the little, I don't know, whatever he calls those track things. I wasn't a track star. Oh, the, hurdles, the hurdles, the hurdles. And then they jet because the person looked back and they're like, ha ha, she, she fell. And then, and then they, they win. That's the kind of thing that business owners are doing. They're looking at what everybody else is doing. And then when they're doing that, they, they can actually spend time on their own business to figure out how they're going to get to the next level. Um, And that's what we always do. We just keep our head down. I don't care what XYZ agency is doing. I'm going to look to my higher mentors, the ones that are in the millions to say, what are they doing? Right. Not out of, I got to catch up, but I want to do what they're doing because that's where they're at. Um, so that's good. But to look back on your competitors, it, it's, it's a waste of time. Yeah. It's a waste of time. Some of the things I've, I've noticed um, partnering up with the Medicare space is just kind of, you know, being a little, little active in the community. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think even myself has partnered up with, um, with Desiree, mm-hmm. you know, to do like a, like a market. Mm-hmm. You know, those are some things that um, some of your agents are doing, you know, doing a market, maybe doing a seminar. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, do you think it's important to be kind of in the community like that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, obviously, we, you know, you want to generate some leads and kind of generate some visibility, mm-hmm. um, but just, you know, give it back a little bit. Yep, I do. Um, I love San Antonio. I love my community. That's one of the reasons why we created the live show to kind of give back in a way where we can get reach more people. Um, but I think it's important, not so much from a mon- from a, a like get more money because you can, but it's more to stay involved. People know you, you get to network with your community. It's fun. You know, it keeps, yeah. it keeps things um, enjoyable within the agency, but um, more importantly, if you're trying to get your name out there for with a very inexpensive way, community marketing is going to be your best friend. Um, but I think it's important to stay involved with your community because you're learning what's going on within your community too. Like you're very involved with the community. I mean, look at your podcast. You're, you're interviewing some of the biggest people in San Antonio. Right. Um, and without that, um, without that, maybe you didn't 
network with this individual that possibly could have given you information about San Antonio right. where you're able to better serve your client. Right. Um, it's funny because it all goes back to better serving your client. Yep. Right. And sometimes the client is your neighbor. Sometimes your client is the, the business owner down the street. Um, so the more that you can be in the community, make yourself known, don't try to sell something, make friends. Yeah. Just be genuine. Just be genuine. Yeah. yeah. And I think about that a lot, especially with the podcast, because numerous times and I'm coming up almost on two years with the podcast. Wow, it's like, uh, awesome. I know I was like thinking about that. It's crazy. Uh, when I think about my time doing the podcast, sometimes, sometimes, you know, there's this voice in the back of my head saying, is like, is it still worth it? Mm -hmm. like, is it still worth it to do this? Like, shouldn't you just like, you know, 110% on your business, forget the podcast. Yeah. But then I think about the doors it's open, kind of mm -hmm. like what you're alluding to the people that it's led me to, mm -hmm. um, even like the leadership groups that I've been a part of, mm -hmm. those are all thanks to the podcast. Yep. Um, LSA, ISD, NLC, all because of the podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, meeting you mm -hmm. was through the podcast, mm -hmm. technically. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, by doing the podcast, I've had multiple schools reach out for me to go present at their career day, which led me to schedule a presentation to talk to their staff mm -hmm. about retirement, life insurance. Yep. Like, those are all due to the podcast. Yep. Um, now, again, obviously, you know, you got to know the product, you got to know what you're doing, and, mm -hmm. you know, like we've talked about mm -hmm. on this mm -hmm. episode, but, you know, being out in the community, putting myself out there, making myself honestly a little uncomfortable, mm -hmm. you know, doing, I mean, that was, it's a whole new world, right? Putting yeah. your voice out there. Yep. Uh, but I, I think about that a lot. Mm -hmm. And and I'm sure you've realized that too. Um, just setting yourself apart. Yep. Yeah. I think that's really important. Putting yourself in the community. People see you as someone other than, oh, just an insurance agent. Like we talked in the very beginning, right? Yep. Uh, just, Boring industry, boring insurance agent, you know, yep. whatever. It's like, no, I'm more than, than that, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Uh, but well, every time I'm sure you've been at our events, every time we're at events, um, y'all will get people that go up to you guys and say, oh, y'all look fun because you know what? <laughs> yeah, we're not trying true. to sell anything. Right. We're just trying, we're just out there. And if somebody asks us an insurance question, we'll answer it or say, hey, well, let's have fun today. Talk about it another day. But we're not desperate to be out there like we got to get people like some agents are. Um, so you, yeah, like don't do that. If you're an agent, <laughs> like be, be a, your true authentic self, be a, of service and give something of value before you try to ask people, people for something. Um, right. and that's not taught enough. I mean, I know Gary V talks about it, you know, give, give, and then ask, but, um, you know, you just got to serve your community and this, and it will come. Um, the, the clients will come when they see who you are. You won't win everybody because not everybody aligns with you, but you will win, you know, the people that do align. And those are the people that you, we want to work with. So, but yeah, we love being in the community. It's important, but it's not the end all be all. There's other ways of doing business, but I believe that is an important piece um, of a business of doing business is getting your name out there locally. Yeah, Definitely. Definitely. Well, Victoria, as we wrap this up, mm -hmm. um, kind of, you know, shameless plug for your, you know, your live show, your mm -hmm. podcast, where can listeners tune in? Yep. Um, tell listeners all about it. Yeah. So, um, pretty easy. Everywhere <laughs> is at the Medicare space, the Medicare space. Uh, we have our live show every Friday, 10 AM central standard time. It streams on Facebook, tw uh, Twitter, um, LinkedIn, YouTube. I wish Instagram, um, but you can go follow us on Instagram too. We're on Instagram at the Medicare space. Um, if you have questions, my name is Victoria. Email me message me. Don't message me at one in the morning, but message me <laughs> if you have questions, comments, concerns. Um, we're actually on, 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 uh, Instagram 
I'm doing something for the next 60 days is I'm tackling problems that business owners face and we're providing solutions to those problems. So go follow us on Instagram if you wow. want to kind of tune in. And that's not specific to insurance. That's just any, just business. any business owner. Yeah. yeah. What, what are you talking about on the live show? Let the listeners know. Um, the live show. <laughs> so <laughs> I like your, I like the yeah, slogan. <laughs> so we talk a little bit of insurance and a lot of everything else. Um, and so if you want to hear about insurance, catch us in the first 20 minutes and the other 40 minutes is just nonsense. So if you want to laugh, <laughs> cry, whatever, come follow us. Um, it's not just for people on Medicare. We, we help anybody with any questions they have, but more importantly, it's just engaging with our community, whether they're, we're in San Antonio or nationwide. So well, join us. Definitely. Definitely. Well, listeners, I uh, really appreciate you uh, tuning in. Victoria, I appreciate you joining me on the podcast. I'm glad we were finally able to do it. I know. I know. Uh, but thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. And that's going to do it for my interview with Victoria Cabrera. I'm so appreciative to Victoria for inviting me in her studio. Uh, so if you guys saw the pictures a couple weeks ago on social media, that was her studio, not mine. Don't get it twisted. That's all her doings and her work, of course. It looks great in that studio. I'm glad we were able to use her mic, uh, the Roadcaster. Um, it was an awesome setup. She even used the logo. Again, I'll post some more pictures if you haven't seen them already. Maybe some videos. We'll see. Uh, but again, thank you to Victoria for coming on. Really, really appreciate that. Now, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast at the very beginning, this is the first essay Talk episode since the events in Uvalde, Texas, uh, Tuesday, May 24th. Uh, guys, Uvalde, Texas is only an hour and a half, maybe even less uh, away from here in San Antonio on Highway 90, if you didn't already know. Um, also, if you didn't already know, and I'd be extremely surprised if you didn't based on social media and of course, the regular media, uh, guys, 21 um, deaths, 22 total if you count the murderer, but uh, 19 children. The killer wounded 17 others. Um, I just want to say my thoughts have really been with the victims um, and the families over these last few weeks. I really, when I say that, I mean, I've really been thinking about that a lot, especially because, you know, my family have been teachers. My dad's still in education. My brother's going to be a teacher this fall. I work with a lot of teacher clients. Um, and you pair that with, of course, what happened at what a grocery store in Buffalo a couple weeks before that, 10 days, I think it was before that. I mean, it just makes me think like, could that happen to us? Could that happen to me? Could that happen to my family, whether it be in a shopping mall or an HEB or a school when I'm at the school, right? Maybe giving a presentation. Could it happen to children of my friends? I, I think about things like that. I also think about, you know, holding on tighter, uh, metaphorically and, and literally to, to my loved ones. You know, I, I think about simple things like, you know, when my girlfriend leaves for the day to go to work, am I spending enough time in the morning while she's getting ready, right? Because that could be the last time I see her. And I know that might sound extreme. I don't know. But to me, I just think about things like that because I think about those families who maybe they slept in that morning and they didn't get to spend time with their child before they went to school. Or, you know, maybe they had to, they were out in a rush and they had to leave early for a meeting. Or maybe they were on business travel and they didn't get to see their child that day. And that was the last time that they would have gotten to see their child. And I, I just think about things like that. And I also just want to add that, you know, it, I know I don't get too quote unquote political and I don't think this is a political conversation, but I just truly believe gun culture has gotten out of hand um, here in the country. I don't think you see this kind of culture surrounding guns and firearms in any other country, to be honest with you. I think 
people in certain groups hold on to the Second Amendment like it's worth some kind of treasure. It's it's honestly ridiculous in my own opinion. Um, you see things like decals of, and I honestly, this is a great example of how ridiculous it is, but you know, there, there's always those decals that what soccer moms or like uh, <laughs> what suburban moms have like decals in the back of their minivan of their family, right? It's like stick figures. But then you see some with guns being used as the stick figures, right? This is my gun family. And it's a bunch of ARs or assault rifles, whatever, armor light, whatever you want to call them, assault looking rifles, handguns being the family. Like that just goes to show you how ridiculous that is. If you, if you know what I'm talking about, um, you know, statistics, like there are more guns than people here in the United States. You know, it's just this culture has, in my opinion, again, gotten out of hand and, I know it's been oversaid and overstated, um, but something has to be done. And I honestly don't think enough will be done. From what I hear, the podcasts I listen to, the talking heads I listen to, the people I follow, uh, whether it be political figures or news media on Twitter, social media, you know, it seems like maybe it's slightly different this time around. It happened in our own backyards. Maybe something will be done locally. But I just don't think so. I don't think enough will be done. Um, I'm not going to pretend like I know everything that's happening politically. But from what I see, I mean, putting special committees together, I think is what Greg Abbott called it. Uh, pretty much all Republicans, maybe two Democrats, not even the representative there in Uvalde or one of them that represents um, that town. I just... I just don't think enough is going to happen. You know, they talk about arming teachers. The first thing I think about, again, being around teachers my entire life now and in growing up, I just think about where's that funding going to come from? You know, they can barely fund their own classroom. And how are you going to fund giving them a firearm or teaching them how to use a firearm and going through that training over and over? Right. I just think things like that are just ridiculous ideas. And then they're already talking about having a teacher shortage as it is with all the troubles and challenges that they've had these last two, two and a half years. You think ha having to arm teachers is going to make more people want to be teachers? I don't think so. I don't think so, especially with their pay. And it's not like they're increasing their pay tremendously anyway. So I, I just think that's a terrible idea, again, in my opinion. Um, but I, I really, I really hope the narrative around this changes and something gets done, whether it be better red flag laws, whether it be better background checks. Again, I'm not going to pretend like I know everything that it takes to buy a gun. I honestly don't own a firearm. Um, I, I'd like to own a handgun, maybe to protect myself. Um, I think that's okay, but I'm not the type of person that feels the need to have uh, these you know, people killers is what I call them, but assault looking rifles, military style rifles. I don't, I don't think there's a need for that, especially here in San Antonio. You know, they say they're hunting hogs or feral hogs or whatever. Okay. Well then prove that you're doing that. And then maybe I guess you need that type of gun. Um, but you're living in suburban America. You, you know, you don't need that type of gun. I'm sorry. You just don't. Um, but that's, that's all I'm going to say on the matter, at least for now. Um, and that's also going to wrap up another episode of Essay Talk. You know, I kind of know I ended it not on a great note for you guys, but I just had to get that out there. Um, but like I said, that is going to wrap up another S episode of Essay Talk. I just want to say thank you to everyone who still supports this podcast. Uh, you guys that are still listening, I see you out there. Love it. Love the support. 
Um, recently, I ran into someone who said, aren't you the guy who, you know, you have the SA Talk podcast, right? You know, they, I recognize your voice and, you know, hearing things like that is crazy to me still, but I really appreciate you guys. If you haven't already, please rate and review the podcast. Um, and also, if you want to keep up with the podcast and everything we're doing, future guests, things like that, uh, things we're promoting around town, uh, please follow on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at SA Pod Network. I'm Zachary Espericueta. You can follow me at Zach SB Advisor. Um, lastly, if you or any business owners you know are looking to advertise with the podcast, please reach out to me. You can reach me at Zachary, that's Z-A-C-H-A-R-Y, at sapodnetwork.com. Thank you all again. Have a wonderful week. Hold your family tighter. See you again in a couple weeks, and viva San Antonio.